Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We examine our position in Christ and our purpose in the body of Christ. We also examine the pillars of doctrine popularized during the Protestant Reformation, known as the Five Solas. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he discusses today's slice of this week's message entitled, It is the Gift of God. So understand, salvation is accomplished only when an individual personally believes in Christ and receives the free gift of eternal life. That invitation remains open. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. We beg you on behalf of of Christ. Be reconciled to God. That is your individual invitation and your decision. But the instant you believe, you become an essential part of a body. Again, Romans 12, 4 and 5. Or you might say, Salvation is an individual decision, but Christianity is a team sport. And you are drafted onto this team at the moment of salvation. If salvation is a tree, what we're saying is good works are not the roots, good works are not the trunk, good works are the fruit. And you never bear fruit apart from being connected to the branches to the trunk. Look at this in more detail. It's said so many ways in the New Testament. Jesus said it to his men that night around the table after he had instituted the Lord's Supper and reminded them of what they were now a part of. He says in John 15, 8, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit or many good works, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Then Paul wrote it this way to the Philippians in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work in you, oh, you're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand. And Paul hadn't even written that yet, I don't think. Well, he wrote them all about the same time. It is good, it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. He wants you to, to work. Now, I understand work is a four-letter word. Okay? But you know what it means? Buckling down and expending energy. Making progress toward a, uh, toward a goal. You giving yourself to accomplish something. You want to learn a Greek word? Well, if you ever took um, physics, you probably already learned this when you just didn't know it was a Greek word. The Greek word for work is, and this is easy to remember, erg. Okay, I have to, erg, I got to get this done. Okay, you'll never forget erg again, will you? All right, God wants you to do that work. Oh, and by the way, He enables you 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Or Paul's, write, Paul's letter to, to Titus in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 2. He mentions Christ Jesus who gave Himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. We saw that in chapter 1 of Ephesians. And to purify for Himself a people for His own possession. Already saw that. He's calling out the body of Christ. And how does He describe those people? Zealous for good works. The word zeal has to do with a root that basically means to, to get hot, to boil over. People just boiling with good works. Now, beyond our texts in Ephesians 2, I just read you four or five others that state that much fruit is the evidence that you belong to Christ, that God is at work in you for His good pleasure, that His Word equips you for every good work, and Christ came to redeem you and make you zealous for good deeds, for good works. It wasn't long ago when we finished the Sermon on the Mount we saw Jesus' words there in Matthew seven seventeen, For every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Notice the word every. Every good tree produces good fruit, good works, good deeds. Philippians 1, 6, Paul wrote, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a Good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to keep perfecting that work that He is doing in you. Then that means that that will be the work that He does through you. So you see the, the flow from the beginning to the end of that passage. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made us alive with Christ, and now... We are to walk in good works. Now, the problem is, that didn't fill the whole time. And I knew it wasn't going to fill the whole time. But I wanted to take us to a little historical lesson that is a, a very simple connection to our passage. I want to talk about not only your position in Christ, your purpose, His purpose for you, but your pillars if you have a very long memory, you can think back about four years. I preached uh, around the 500th anniversary of the beginning of the Protestant Reformation on the so-called solas. Right, we're not talking about solar energy. We're talking about something else. And this, package, this passage uh, brought this to my mind because right here in our text, we have mention of most of the solas. The solas are uh, time-tested ways to summarize what Christianity is all about. It's a collection of five phrases that summarize, if you will, the pillars of the faith that are revealed in Scripture. Paul told Timothy that the church is the pillar and support of the truth. Well, these are sub-pillars, if you will. These were articulated by the early Reformers. 
Each one of these statements is a corrective to problems they were facing. Specifically, they are correctives to the excesses of the Roman Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation. Now, these are not stated in terms of what they're arguing against, but they're stated very positively, focusing on what they refute. Now, I want to emphasize to you that the 16th century reformers wrote all of these things. You can find them in their writings many times, many places. But those 16th century reformers never met in a room or never exchanged letters to try to hammer out these five items. They did not call in a a marketing consultant to say, you you need to have a catch. You need to have something that people can memorize that will summarize what you're doing. Rather, these have, over time, become a convenient, precise way to summarize the teaching of those men that rock the world, that produce spiritual fruit and and consequences, even cultural consequences that echoed through all the nations of the world far beyond anything they could have imagined. Now, the five solas are five Latin phrases that, are, that came to be popularized, if you will, during the Protestant Reformation and then pulled together later. The word, the word sola is the Latin word for only. And it was used in relation to five key teachings that defined the the plea that came from the mouths and from the pens of the reformers to look to these things from what you find in Scripture. Now, here they are. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola Fide, faith alone. Sola Gratia, grace alone. Uh, solus Christus, and you might find that one also stated solo Christo, depending on which Latin case you happen to, to put it in. And then soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. A lot of people like to use that when they sign a letter or something at the bottom, SDG. Well, that's what it means. It says some dog, not some dog is gone, but soli deo gloria, to, to God be the glory. Now, why did they write these things. Well, I want to tell you why they wrote these things, why they came up with these things. And, I, and, and I'm going to skip ahead to something I was going to say at, at the end, but when I have spoken of these things at various times, I have more than once been accused of Catholic bashing. One person told me one time that One of the reasons for leaving this church was because, quote, I can never bring a guest to visit because I don't know if you're going to bash Catholics. And a lot of my friends are Catholic. I've heard the same thing about uh, about Mormons. Maybe you're here visiting. Maybe you are part of the Roman Catholic Church. Maybe that's a background of yours. I'm not bashing anyone. That's not the point at all. What I do want to do is make sure that the souls for whom I and my fellow elders here at Heritage Bible Church will give an account understand what is the essence of what the Bible teaches. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.